Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning and welcome to Manna for Breakfast. We're going to look at what's going on in this day in history and some of the interesting things that happened years ago. So I'm reading this day in history. Abraham Lincoln famously said on, the, on I guess this day or around this day, he can compress more words into the fewest ideas than anyone I've ever met. Think about that one. In other words, he doesn't know what he's talking about. The victim of the mummy's curse. On this day, 1923, Lord Carnarvon dies of an infected mosquito bite five months after he and Howard Carter opened King Tut's tomb, took it in Cummins' tomb, leading many to speculate, including Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, creator of Sherlock Holmes, that his death was caused by protections put in place by Tutankhamun's priest to guard the royal tomb. I think it's more likely that he was in Egypt where there's a lot of mosquitoes that carry malaria and different things. When you live down here in the subtropics, you can get around like we have dengue fever and we have different things and so many people have gotten those things down here. Then the medicine wasn't as good back then. You stay out all day, you get dehydrated. Uh, I think that's more likely what happened. Anyway, the ice cream sundae was invented on this day in 1892, apparently, by a actually interesting, the, the guy who claims to have invented it was a pastor, and it was created the previous Sunday on April 3rd by church minister John M. Scott and a pharmacy owner, Chester Platt. And they covered the dish with cherry syrup and candied cherries. They named the dish the Cherry Sunday in honor of the day it was created on Sunday. It was an immediate success. They later added strawberry Sunday and chocolate Sundays. So there you go. Pocahontas, the daughter of Chief Pocahontas, marries Captain John Rolfe. She is famous for the story told by Captain John Smith on how she risked her life to save his after his capture. After being falsely told that Smith had died, she married Rolf, traveled to England with him, and there she died. Nobody knows the exact cause of her death. But First Ladies Nancy Reagan and Edith Wilson are both descendants of Pocahontas. Who knew? Cuba, Fidel Castro on this day, 1958, declares the first Cuban cigar. No, wrong. He declares war against Fidel Castro declares war against the Cuban regime, a president, uh, Fulgencio Baptista. And on this day, Churchill resigned in 1955, citing issues going on with him. So there you go on this day in history, on from some of the stuff that went on there. And uh, we will look over now to the dad jokes. A man told his physician that he was having restless sleep. He explained, first I dream I am a teepee, then I dream I'm a wigwam, and then I, a teepee again, and then a wigwam again. And, oh, the psychiatrist, not the physician, the psychiatrist responded, hmm, I know your problem. You're too tense. Too tense. <laughs> I used to be addicted to soap, but I'm clean now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So with that, we can move on into the reading for today. We are in Deuteronomy 32, 33, 34, finishing the book of Deuteronomy today. Then we're going to Joshua next tomorrow. So with that, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning and 
guiding and directing us as you always do. God, we're blessed. We thank you for your love for us, for your guiding in our lives and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 32. Give ear, O heavens, and let me speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let my teachings drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as the droplets on the fresh grass, and as the showers on the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteousness and uprightness is he. They have acted corruptly towards him. They are not his children because of their deceit, but are a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus repay the Lord? O foolish and unwise people, is not he your father who has bought you? He has made you and established you. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of all generations. Ask your father, and he will inform you, your elders, and they will tell you when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of man and set boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. He found him in the desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him and cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young. He spread his wings and caught them. He carried them on his pinions. The Lord alone guided him, and there was no foreign god with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth. And he ate the produce of the field. He made him suck honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock, curds of cows and milk of the flock with fat of lambs and rams, the bread of Bashan and goats with the finest of the wheat and of the blood of grapes. You drank wine, but Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You are grown fat, thick and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation and made him jealous with strange gods with abomination they provoked him to anger they sacrificed to demons who are not god to gods whom they have not known new gods who came lately whom your fathers did not dread you neglected the rock who begot you and forgot the god who gave you birth the lord saw this and spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters then he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a perverse generation, sons in whom is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled in my anger that burns in the lowest parts of Sheol, and consumes the earth with its yield, and sets on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap misfortunes on them, and I will use my arrows on them. They will be wasted by famine, and consumed by plague, and bitter destruction. And the teeth of beasts I will send upon them, with the venom of crawling things of the dust. Outside the sword will bereave, 
and inside terror, both young man and virgin, and nurslings with a man of gray hair. I would have said, I will cut them to pieces. I will remove the memory of them from men. Had I not feared the provocation by the enemy, that their adversaries would misjudge, that they would say, our hand is triumphant, and the Lord has not done all this, for they are a nation lacking in counsel, and there is no understanding in them. Would that they were wise, and they understood this, that they would discern their future. How can one chase a thousand and put ten thousand to flight, unless their rock had sold them, and the Lord had given them up? Verse 31. Indeed, their rock is not like our rock. Even our enemies themselves judge this. For their vine is from the vine of Sodom, and their fields of Gomorrah, and their grapes are the grapes of poison, and their clusters bitter. Their wine is the venom of serpents, and the deadly poison of cobras. Is it not laid up in store with me, sealed up in my treasures? Vengeance is mine, and retribution. In due time their foot will slip, for the day of their calamity is near, and the impending things are hastening upon them. For the Lord will vindicate his people, and will have compassion on his servants when he sees that their strength is gone and there is no remaining bond or free. And he will say, where are their gods? The rock in which they sought refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings. Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your hiding place. See now that I, I am he, and there is no God beside me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal. And there is no one who can deliver from my hand. Indeed, I lift up my hand to heaven, and I say, as I live forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on justice, I will render vengeance on my adversaries, and I will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword will devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives. From the long-haired leaders of the enemy, rejoice, O nations, with their people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance on his adversaries and will atone for his land and his people. Then Moses came and spoke all these words of this song in the hearing of the people, and he with Joshua, the son of Nun, when Moses had finished speaking all the words to all Israel. He said to them, Take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law. For it is not an idle word for you indeed. It is your life, and by this word you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. The Lord spoke to Moses that very same day, saying, Go up to the mountain of Abraham, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab opposite Jericho, and look at the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the sons of Israel for a possession. Then die on the mountain where you ascend and be gathered to your people as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people because you broke faith with me in the midst of the sons of Israel at the waters of Mirabai, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the sons of Israel. For you shall see the Lord at a distance, but you shall not go there into the land which I am giving you to the sons of Israel. 
So we'll keep going because this is going to add on to it. This is moving to the end of the book, but it's important to remember this was was a song given to them, but could be in, put to music for them to remember everything that God had done for them and that he is the only God and what happened throughout history and how he set up the blessing upon uh, Israel through Abraham and then through Moses and brought them into the land and they would remember that. And then the prophetic giving them the understanding that they would rebel, but that he would still remember them and he would still fight for them and still gain the victory if they would but remember the word and keep going back to the word. This was to be read to them and it would had to be read publicly once a year and then again at the, at the end of the Sabbath year it had to be read. They had to be read publicly and they were all to remember this. Chapter 33, the blessing of Moses now, this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. He said, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them in Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran, and he came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. At his right hand, there was flashing lightning for them. Indeed, he loves the people. All of your holy ones are in your hand, and they followed in your steps. Everyone receives of your words. Moses charged us with a law, a possession for the assembly of Jacob, and he was king in Jeshurun. And when the heads of the people were gathered, the tribes of Israel together, may Reuben live and not die, nor his men be few. And is in regarding Judah, so he said, Hear, O Israel, the voice of Judah, and bring him to his people. With his hands he contended for them, and may you be a help against his adversaries of Levi, he said. Let your Thummim and your Urim belong to your godly man, whom you proved at Massa, with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who said of his father and of his mother, I did not consider them, and he did not acknowledge his brothers, nor did he regard his own sons, for they observed your words, and he kept your covenant. They shall teach your ordinances of Jacob and your law to Israel. They shall put incense before you and whole burnt offerings on your altar. O Lord, bless his substance and accept the work of his hands. Shatter the loins of those who rise up against him and those who hate him so that they will not rise up again. Of Benjamin, he said, may the beloved of the Lord dwell in security by him who shields him all the day and he dwells between his shoulders. Of Joseph, he said, Blessed of the Lord is his land, with the choice things of heaven, and with dew, and from the deep lying beneath, and with the choice yield of the sun, and with the choice produce of the months, and with the best things of the ancient mountains, and with the choice things of the everlasting hills, and with the choice things of the earth and its fullness, and the flavor of him who dwelt in the bush. Let it come to the head of Joseph and to the crown of the head of the one distinguishing among his brothers as the firstborn of his ox. Majesty is his, and his horns are the horns of the wild ox. With them he will push the peoples all at once to the ends of the earth. And those are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and those are the thousands of Manasseh. Of Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going forth and Issachar in your tents. They will call peoples to your mountain, for they will offer righteous sacrifices, for they will draw out the abundance of the seas and the hidden treasures of the sand. 
of Gad. He said, blessed is the one who enlarges Gad, who lies down as a lion and tears the arm, also the crown of the head. And he provided the first part for himself, and there the ruler's portion was reserved. And he came with the leaders of the people, and he executed the justice of the Lord and his ordinances of Israel. Of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's whelp that leaps forth from Bashan. Of Naphtali, he said, O Naphtali, satisfied with favor and full of blessings of the Lord, take possession of the sea in the south. Of Asher, he said, more blessed than sons is Asher. May he be favored by his brothers and may he dip his foot in oil. Your locks will be like iron and bronze. And according to your days, so will your leisurely walk be. There is none like the God of Jeshuan, who rides the heavens to your help and through the skies in your majesty. The eternal God is a dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he drove out the enemy from before them and said, Destroy. So Israel dwells in security, the fountain of Jacob secluded in the land of grains and new wines. His heavens also drop down dew. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. Who is the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty? So your enemies will cringe before you, and you will tread upon their high places. Chapter 34. It's now the death of Moses. Now Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, and the Negev, and the plain, and the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar, and the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. Verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows his burial place to this day. Although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim, nor his vigor abated. So the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days, then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hand on him. And the sons of Israel listened to him, and he did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, for all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh, all his servants and all his land, and for all the mighty power and for all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. And thus ends the book of Deuteronomy with Moses' death on Pisgah. It's a fascinating study. I mean, a fascinating study to, to study Moses' death on Mount Nebo. I covered this at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, if that interests you. It's just much more profound, mysterious, prophetic than we could even imagine. Of course, why is his tomb hidden? Well, most people agree, at least on a simplified level, that God wanted to hide his body so Satan can, couldn't get at it or dig at it because he needed it in the future. <laughs> he showed him all Israel uh, from the mount, top of the mountain, which is impossible by eye, but by God opening up his eye, his mind's eye, 
Uh, he could see out from the northern extreme to the southern extreme. He got an aerial view, at least he got a guided tour in the spirit of Israel, didn't go in physically. But then God hides his body directly across from Jericho, Mount Nebo. But Jericho is also very close to Israel. And from that distance, it's very interesting where his body could be hidden, could be right directly across from where they believe the Temple Mount is. And there's a lot of writing on that. I would have to enlighten you on that through a book I read. But the fascinating thing about all this is that Moses is going to enter into the land. He does get a chance to go into Israel. So he could hang out with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He does get to go see the land. God had a plan. The prophetic implication of of all this is that it was necessary, even though he sinned, it was necessary that he not enter into the land of Israel because Joshua is Joshua, which is Jesus in Hebrew, really transliterated, was the one that needed to lead the people into, by faith, into the land. We see this clear distinction between those that were coming up to the east side of the Jordan, those on the west side, and that it was going to be a walk of faith as they entered into the land, and that was going to bring them to the Messiah. And the Messiah then has preeminence and is established in Israel over and above the law. And so Jesus has his ministry he establishes his ministry. He goes up on the Mount Transfiguration. And who shows up at the law and the prophets? Moses and Elijah. And so it is very clear that Moses could essentially could not lead the people in the, the new land, the promised land that was to be a life of faith under the law. That needed to be a different, in a sense, a different leadership. It was still a covenant under the law, but the but up until Jesus, but but it was a modeling of a life lived by faith, even though under the law. Very fascinating. All the rest of the the Song of Moses leading up to the description of all the tribes. I Again, we have to break down each one of those tribes. You'd have to go listen to the teaching on that because it's very detailed in which tribe got what blessing, why they got the blessing. And uh, this is why it's fun to study these things. But unfortunately, we don't have a, enough time to do it in a 30-minute format. Luke 8, 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he came out into the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothing for a long time. And he was not living in a house, but in the tombs. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for it had seized him many times and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard and yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert and Jesus asked him what is your name and he said legion for many demons had entered him they were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss now there were a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain and the demons implored him to permit them to enter into the swine and he gave them permission and the demons came out of the man and entered the swine and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned 
When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out of the country. And the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man of whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they became frightened. Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. And all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave them, for they were gripped with great fear, and he got into the boat and returned. And the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. But he said, sent him away by saying, return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city the great things Jesus had done for him. Verse 40, and as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, and they had all been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, for he was an official of the synagogue. And he fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage of 12 years and who could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were denying it, Peter said, master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. And Jesus said, someone did touch me for I'm aware that power had gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, do not be afraid any longer. Only believe and she will be made well. And when he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the girl's father and mother. Now they were all weeping and lamenting for her. But he said, stop weeping for she has not died, but she is asleep. And they began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. He, however, took her by the hand and called her child arise. And her spirit returned and she got up immediately and he gave orders for something to be given her to eat. Their parents were amazed and he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. So the power of Jesus over the demonic, over sickness, physical sickness, and over death. Very important demonstrations that he was the Messiah and the Son of God. But also not only that, but it's his demonstration of his compassion because he's compassionate for one that is completely caught up in evil, one that is completely given over to the things of the enemy of, of Satan. We don't have any idea if this man got himself into that or if that was something that happened to him, but certainly people that mess around with the uh, occult and the demonic world open themselves up to <laughs> demon possession. I, I can attest to that. And, and so it's often by our own doing that these kinds of things happen. So that man was cared for by Jesus. He went over there to touch that man and heal him. And so there is no one that's beyond the, uh, the, the reach and the love of God. There's some pretty evil people out there, but the ones that are evil by demonic forces, which is around a very a real thing today, God cares about them. And he also cares for the outcasts and the rejected of society, 
the ones nobody will look at or talk to, that are unclean, and he cares for them. And of course, what Jesus does here is he's allowing someone who is unclean to touch him, and he has no reaction to it. He's like, uh, and again, he was perfect. He was perfect in everything he did. He never broke the law. Therefore, Jesus never touched or allowed an uh, unclean person to touch him because the moment they got in proximity to his skin, they were healed. I mean, his power that went out of him is so pure that they were instantly healed. And so he never broke the law because that was kind of one of the accusations of the Pharisees and stuff that he was, he made himself unclean by the people that he touched, but he, no, he didn't. But anyway, she's made clean. And then Jairus's daughter, of course, is brought back from the dead. And, and who is he? He's a righteous man. He's a good man. His daughter is innocent. So you have one who is girl who's completely innocent and good, a good righteous man, upstanding, well-respected. God cares and heals and brings life there. He heals the outcast, the rejected, and the obviously the destitute and depressed woman who was, again, not considered to be of the same statue and socially acceptable as the men. And then, of course, the demoniac, the one who was completely what the Pharisees would have cursed in society would have tried to destroy because of the demonic influence. All of them he touches. So with that, let's look at today with Charles Spurgeon. Thou art my servant, O Israel, thou shalt not be forgotten of me. Isaiah 44, 21. Our Jehovah cannot so forget his servants as to cease to love them. He chose them not for a time, but forever. He knew what they would be when he called them into the divine family. He blots out their sins like a cloud, and we may be sure that he will not turn them out of doors for iniquity, which he has blotted out. It would be blasphemy to imagine such a thing. He will not forget them so as to cease to think of them. One forgetful moment on the part of our God would be our ruin. Therefore, he says, thou shalt not be forgotten of me. Men forget us. Those whom we have benefited turn against us. We have no abiding place in the fickle hearts of men, but God will never forget one of his true servants. He binds himself to us, not by what we do for him, but by what he has done for us. We have been loved too long and bought at too great a price to be now forgotten. Jesus sees in us his soul's travail and that he never can forget. The Father sees in us the spouse of his Son, and the Spirit sees in us his own effectual work. The Lord thinketh upon us. This day we shall be succored and sustained. Oh, that the Lord may never be forgotten of us. <laughs> Amen to that. When you put that in perspective, it it kind of does put it all together on why we should remain faithful and loving the Lord our God, even when things are not going right. And we got a number of things not going right that we need to pray for. So let's do that. Father God, we praise you, God, for what you're doing. And uh, God, we have no understanding of the complexities of this world and the way that you are bringing us to completion by the various trials that we go through. It is your plan, God, and you, we know that you're doing it. And we know that you have loved us with an everlasting love. As you said to one about one of the tribes, that, that is something that is irrefutable. And so God, help us to understand your plan for us and uh, give us direction, God. Give us direction in what we're doing. Help us to understand that you have a plan. And, and, and in that, God, we want to lift up Juan Carlos in Mexico City, who's gone through so much already with his cancer that was in his head. And, and we saw all of the radiation so successful. 
so wonderful, his healing in his head and back up on his feet and eating and doing fine. But now we find out they found a cancerous mass in his chest. A huge blow, obviously, God, after seeing so much and seeing so many victories. So, God, all we can do is, is ask you again to continue the healing, to bring them to completion, that it was something that, that was either missed or just came up, and the battle's not over. So make our brother a warrior and make him and his family strong. They've made it this far, no doubt, God, stronger because of what they've seen. So help them by faith again. See this battle won. Think of also the the missionary that was in Canada and all that she went through, God, and, and some of the victories that went on in her life. Same thing, God, we just pray for that she, she remains clear or at least in remission of her cancer and these things that are going on. Anyone that's been going through the treatments and have seen success, God, they know that there can be setbacks, but they press on and they take the treatments as uncomfortable as they are. So we ask you, God, to be healing all those that are taking steps of faith, trusting in their healing through your hand, through the medical field, through the through the drugs, but just also intervening supernaturally. We've seen you do it. We ask you to continue to do that. So thank you. Um, we ask you to just keep, take away that cancerous mass in his lung. Maybe it's not even cancerous. Maybe it's going to be benign. We don't know, but it just ask God that you would take it away. So thank you for the other things you are doing, especially this week with the uh, Easter week and the things you're going to be doing in churches. This will be a time when many people will go to church that don't normally go. So God, I pray for my brothers and sisters, wherever they're going to church, that they might be able to be able to take family, neighbors, friends with them, be able to be useful, uh, be able to be used of you, and that the world would start waking up, God, because they know, the world knows that everything is falling apart. They know that everything is disintegrating and we're heading towards some kind of climax. So let them be open and may your Holy Spirit touch them. And may we see a harvest of people getting saved in the midst of these very stressful and dire days that we're living in. So God, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. During this time, there'd be no attacks, uh, especially in Bethlehem and different places uh, or in Jerusalem or the these different holy sites of Christians because it's often a target during uh, the Christian Holy Week as they see it over there. So God, we pray for protection and also for an end to this war in Ukraine and Russia. And we pray, God, that you just continue to, to bring sanity back into the world and allow this whole disintegration into anarchy that is seems to be the course of the world. So um, we know the, the only solution is that people turn their hearts over to you and follow you and let you regain God preeminence in the world. So we we ask that you be spreading your gospel, God, mightily through all those that are that are sharing it everywhere and you continue to use us at well so as well. So thank you for this day. Bless the service tonight, God. Uh, guide us in our understanding of your word. Continue to guide us in all the outrages that are coming up, Easter and also the youth retreat of sunrise service, everything that'll be going on, God. Thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I gotta say goodbye. So thank you guys. We'll see you. Bye-bye.